0: The Battle of the Labyrinth, Chapter 11, I set myself on fire. I thought we'd lost the spider until Tyson heard a faint pinging sound. We made a few turns, backtracked a few times, and eventually found the spider banging. I'm Ava. I'm Neve. And I'm Brayden. And this is Return to Camp Half-Blood. Join us as we journey
1: back through a childhood favorite series.
2: And see what lessons we can learn as adults from these books that meant so much to us as kids. All right, welcome back to Return to Camp Half-Blood, folks. This week, we will be discussing the Battle of the Labyrinth, chapters 11 and 12? Yeah. Yes, 11 and 12. (laughs) And the names of those chapters are loading on my spreadsheet, and they are, I Set Myself on Fire and I Take a Permanent Vacation. And we will be discussing these through the theme of purpose. And also, this week, we are joined by a very special guest, the the still holding the title of the most frequent guest on this podcast, <laughs> Divya Bhatia of Activist in Progress.
1: Yeah. Hello. Hello.
2: <laughs> uh, for people who don't know who you are, uh, want to introduce yourself a little bit?
1: Yes, sure. Hello. My name is Divya. Um, I live in San Diego, California. I'm currently at the University of California, San Diego. Um, And I actually have something new to promote this time, which is super fun. Um, It's a new limited series podcast type thing called the College Climate Collective. Um, And it is streaming on most platforms now, probably the easiest way is to look it up on Spotify, but I'll send Braden the link for for the show notes. Um, And it's really cool. I got together with um, some people from one of my classes that I was in and we explored basically more approachable ways to be involved in climate change action, um, and so I am featured on one episode where we talk about food intake and vegetarianism and veganism, and it's a really cool time. I love being here, so let's get into it.
0: <laughs> that's yeah. so cool. That's so yeah. Exciting. That's amazing.
2: That's uh, yeah. That's I wish we could do more on this podcast you guys have active, done four but... seasons
3: okay uh, <laughs> amazing
2: uh all right uh so speaking of divya this week she will be delivering us our 30 second recap of the battle of the labyrinth let me pull up my little timer here for you okay. the timer of doom
0: but that's true <laughs> it
2: really is at this point All right, three, two, one, go.
1: Okay, so the whole gang, Grover, Percy, Annabeth, and Tyson are making their way and trying to find Daedalus and find their way to Hephaestus, and Hephaestus is like, super ugly apparently and Percy's like ah so ugly and then Hephaestus is really mean and won't tell them where he is so they, they he sends them on a little mini quest to the forges but then Grover smells pan so Grover and pan are like done and then um Percy oh my god 30 seconds is so fast
2: <laughs> yeah
3: it's really
1: so like hard
2: I don't know why we we'll so put ourselves through
3: this I don't know either. Oh my
1: gosh. I apologize. Appa- well, you know, next season, I'll, I'll practice. I'll practice. There you I go.
3: promise very few have actually done it successfully. It's true.
2: It's yeah. still, it's still Diego holds the crown for yes. the
1: best. <laughs> wow. I remember, I remember hardcore judging you guys first season. I'm like, why can't they do this? It's so quick. <laughs> it's so fast. Like, hey, Why can't they do it? It's, hard.
2: it's really,
3: really we hard. We didn't even get That's through really- the first chapter. Especially when you get to, like, the middle chapters of the book, like, they become so much more full of information that it's, like, so difficult to, so difficult to summarize it. Yes, yeah. a, a
2: lot happened in these two chapters. Do we want to fill in the, the, the blanks that were left?
1: Yes, yes. Okay, well, so what else happened was, oh, yeah, so Grover and Tyson go off, Annabeth and Percy go off, right? And yep. then... um they find their way into this like sea demon class, right? And then Percy's like, Annabeth, go save yourself. And then Percy, and then Annabeth's like, no, not until I kiss you first. And then they kiss, <laughs> super low key. <laughs> and then um, Percy's like, "Ah, oh, why did I do that? But I want her to be safe. And then he like summons like a lava ocean tornado type situation and then passes out and wakes up on Calypso's island. Yeah.
2: And then he stays on Clipso's island for a little bit and then goes home. Just a
1: little flirting. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing too harmful. Just a little flirting.
2: A little flirting. Uh, if I want to bring this up, I guess now is the time that I'm going to bring it up. We know Seaweed Brain has postulated that Percy and Clipso did have sex on this island. <laughs>
3: oh, god. oh my god they literally hold <laughs> so hard to this theory
1: I mean I wouldn't be surprised honestly Percy's I just wouldn't like be too surprised. he's such a player guys Annabeth <laughs> just kissed him and then he's like the whole chapter he's like Calypso's so beautiful I'll never forget her she's gorgeous I
2: yeah like the last line of the chapter is like but Calypso will always be my biggest what if <laughs>
1: Percy Sims for oh, yeah. everyone.
2: <laughs> Percy Sims for everyone.
1: But also everyone falls for him. So that's right. true. Even us. <laughs> mostly.
2: <laughs> ne- Unfortunately. Mostly Neve.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I feel it. I feel it. Mm.
2: Yes. All right. What are the music choices for this week?
3: Yeah. So. Ooh. Chapter 11 was very interesting. Uh because I had to find a song I could either choose to focus on one thing or the other like one major event there was two major events right like Annabeth Percy Kiss and Percy Causes a Volcano Explosion <laughs> so I was like I could choose one of those major events and then just pick a song based on that however I thought I found a good song to encapsulate both. Um, so I pick a Sparks Fly by Taylor Swift <laughs> uh, wait, oh my so god good. that's the best possible choice <gasps> thank you so much um and i think it i think it rounds it up you know that i think that's that's chapter 11 um and then chapter like twelve, i might die <laughs> the chapter 12 is the song i was playing in the beginning it's called hopeless by clinton kane i literally just thought of the saddest love song i could think of because
1: mm-hmm. i
3: this is gonna like fully transition us into the things that I forgot but I gave Calypso such a hard time when I first read this as a child because I was like no she's getting in the way (laughs) like I had no sympathy and I now read it with a lot more like sadness and like I was genuinely surprised how like upset I was rereading Mm -hmm. how much like what her curse is and like how sad that is um and it was like a very insight, a surprisingly insightful chapter. And I think the lyrics are good for describing that. So those are my things. But segueing into things, I forgot. <laughs> Calypso, <laughs> that was very sad.
2: Oh, you just, I thought you said you meant you like forgot about Calypso completely for a
3: second. No, I just forgot how sad her story was because I never viewed it that way. I just viewed it I as feel like, this that. is a weird little road bump. Get back to <laughs> But like rereading it, I was like, oh my God, I gave her no sympathy when she really deserved a lot. I feel that.
2: Yeah, she her story is so fucking tragic and relatable.
3: <laughs> relatable. Relatable. Have you gone through this in your daily life? <laughs>
2: <laughs> know that island that i'm trapped on
3: um, where all yeah. the
2: men keep coming to
3: me in, in allentown pennsylvania
1: Ooh, i we think that um <laughs> <laughs> um i just couldn't stop thinking about Le- leo i don't know why i said leo leo <laughs> valdez his story with calypso the entire time because i was like comparing the two um and i think in the whole percy jackson and the olympian series like Percy honestly does no wrong like object like in the books you know like you really have to analyze it to be like oh yeah that was like not good but um I don't think we really start seeing like the problematic parts of his character until like the Heroes of Olympus series where like he didn't follow through on his promise to like free Calypso from the island which is so sad
2: yeah I think we were talking about this last week where I think now is where we start to see Percy's actions catch up with him and him realizing that his consequent his actions have consequences. And you're right that we don't really see that those all manifest completely in this first series. And then they really come to a head in the, the heroes of Olympus series. And we see him start to make a lot of the mistakes now that play out later in big ways, um, and it's just really interesting because he, hes realizing he doesn't live in his little Poseidon bubble anymore. Yeah, I also forgot about the telekines.
0: Me too. Oh, that was kind of the main one for me. Mm.
1: Uh, I, I don't know why too. when. Whenever I in, I think whenever I was younger and read that scene, I really envisioned it underwater for some reason. But it was still in a volcano. But I don't know, just like the sea sea demon aspect of it, like there was a lot of water involved.
2: Yeah, that is interesting because they're just in in. Oh no, I can't do the geography, but they're not near water. <laughs>
3: uh,
1: no, because Percy's like tries has to try really hard to get the water to come to him.
2: Yeah, because they're definitely in not Yellowstone, right? That's where their Mount St. Helen is. I don't know. Yeah. Mount St. Helen is. It. I'm
3: gonna Google it. Oh
2: no. <laughs> I can I was so I was starting to speak and then I was like, maybe I don't know American geography. So it
3: is in Washington. Okay. It's like near Portland
2: okay oh you're right he does say the the
1: significantly far oh yeah because he blew up the he blew up the pacific northwest
2: yes yes. right right
3: right, right. it's pretty far from the ocean though like it's closer than i thought but still a significant ways away there's a lot of rivers around there though so that's probably what it was
2: yeah so i guess we found out braden does not know where mount st helens is (laughs) (laughs) It's that okay. is something I forgot in life. <laughs> <You're
3: Mount> in <Saint> life. <laughs> in life.
2: The location of Mount St. Helens.
3: Mm.
2: Yes. But yeah, the telekinese. I also, I couldn't picture in my head how they would look. So I did have to Google it. And <laughs> oh. I, it started off fine with some like mixed, mixed drawings. Some of them were really scary. And... I was in my head reading as a child I kind of thought of them as like a cute monster because they're described as dogs and so I was like dogs and seals are cute and therefore but then they're like they have human hands and that's where the line is drawn for me
0: I don't like like that's so deeply disturbing to me I don't yeah
1: I just looked it up it's not it's really not fun
2: It's really not. And (laughs) then if you scroll down too far, we start getting into like furry territory and Ah. I had to to tap out there. Though there, okay, this is gonna, this is a little tangent. One of the pictures I clicked on, it was a screen grab from the animated TV series Class of the Titans. And I need to know if anyone else watched this TV show.
1: Class of the Titans. I'm sorry. Maybe if I look it up.
2: They were like teenagers who were like the reincarnations of like Greek heroes. So, like, Jason was Jay and uh, Theseus was Teresa.
1: <laughs> oh, whoa.
2: Whoa. And there's like Atalanta. I think her name was just <gasps> Atalanta. I do that. I don't Atalanta. think they translated that one. Hercules was I like. I think
1: I would have hey. really been into this when I was younger. Me too. It, I didn't watch it, but it's cool.
2: It was really cool I think it was on something weird I think we had one of like the first Rokus and they had like a kid's tv section on Roku that had some like weird probably like it's probably Canadian like my guess is it's Canadian I need call to action someone (laughs) in our audience please tell me that you have also watched class of the titans because there are four (laughs) seasons I got fell down a rabbit hole yesterday but there are four seasons of this TV show, and I've never met anyone else who has ever watched it. It's cool to look so at.
1: Look. I'm sure someone has
2: have
0: one. Yeah, we probably have one somewhere.
2: Yes. Please let me know. Tweet at us or or DM us <laughs> on, on Instagram. <laughs> it is a desperate call. I'll, I'll I'll post about it on Instagram again, asking. But yes, I just need to, to ask us on air. Um if, if I need to not be the only one. All right, what else do we forget?
1: <laughs> well, I remember, um, well, when Brayden asked me what chapter I wanted to do, I was like, straight up. It's it's Percy and Annabeth when they kiss. Like, it's just like the, okay. the biggest thing that's ever happened to me, right? Um, and then I read the page and it's literally three words. She kissed me, that's it. <laughs> and I remember reading that page, oh, that scene literally. over and over and over again. And I'm like, this is so like, wow it's it's not that dramatic
2: it's really I missed it the first time
3: because oh I was listening
2: to the audiobook I, I finished the chapter I missed
3: it too and I was
2: like wait when did they kiss and I had to rewind because the lining of me looking up what telekines looked like and the kiss <laughs> overlapped, and therefore I missed the like the that those three like lines <laughs> about them kissing And so I had to rewind and listen to it again because I was like, it happens, right? Like, I know it happens. I know this is where it happens.
1: Like, Percy should have been, like, flustered or, like, not able to think or something. Like, it was just so casual. He talked more about Calypso than he did about Annabeth.
2: Man's talked about Calypso so much.
0: He really did. Like, I get it, but also, you know what just happened to you, right? Like,
1: (laughs) maybe it was just so, like, natural that he was, like you know it was just meant to happen and it wasn't weird
3: no biggie it's fine
1: no biggie they
2: have great (laughs) chemistry they probably fucked
1: (laughs) well I remember when I was younger I was like very like no like I don't I don't want Percy as if I would have this is a fictional character but I was like I can't because I just love him and Annabeth together I wouldn't want to come between that (laughs) that's fair this is not real life but (laughs) even in my fantasies I can't come between this couple
2: that's real
1: I do understand that
2: Percy and Annabeth are endgame
0: it's are. true they're the blueprint
3: they are yeah. the blueprint
0: like I know we're just echoing the entirety of the seaweed brain podcast when we say <laughs> <laughs> <basically> <laughs> the
3: whole point but yeah I
0: that's- just
2: I think they're just the epitome of of an early 2000s romance <laughs> like
0: I don't think
2: boy, boy, no. Boy and girl mean to each other, and therefore, boy <laughs> and girl love each other. But that is yeah, the epitome like, of an early two thousands. 2000s...
0: Yes, but they're so <laughs> I mean, unproblematic. Oh.
2: I mean, they are.
1: They are pretty unproblematic.
2: They are. They are a very much an epitome of of what Rick thought feminism at the time was.
3: Mm. <laughs>
2: true. I mean, that's how. That's oh, true. Rick, there was another moment in the, in these chapters that I was like, Rick, really trying. And it was something with Calypso and I don't remember exactly what the moment was and I wish I did, but I don't. Yeah. Um, and therefore, let's move on. What else do we forget?
3: I think that was pretty much it for me, honestly. I remembered a lot about these chapters. Yeah. The, I, it, I go ahead.
2: I was gonna say chapter 12 nothing much happened
3: yeah
2: it was just it was such it was more like perceived like being emotional and passing Um, out and waking up again
0: (laughs) yeah
1: I was gonna say I I've been thinking I was thinking a lot about like um there are so many words for like beautiful I guess in these two chapters you know like Hephaestus like made Percy gulp because he was so quote-unquote ugly or like Calypso like he couldn't even function because she was so beautiful um, and he like compared her beauty to Aphrodite's beauty which was very much like he was like Calypso's more natural and Aphrodite tries too hard or something like that. I'm doing my thesis right now on beauty standards so it's like always in my head and I was like wow this is so interesting especially like in the fiction world when like you know you're writing these sort of things it's just it's just so interesting to to know like what comes up in my head like I honestly couldn't picture like a quote-unquote ugly person like what my brain would let me I don't even know what that means you know
2: it that's actually that's the exact moment that I was thinking of that I couldn't think of was when he describes Aphrodite is so beautiful but Calypso is beautiful without even trying like oh she's just so casual. She doesn't do her Not makeup. True. Her hair is just messy, and she's beautiful because she doesn't try. And that was the like ah that's what Rick thinks thinks he thinks he's doing something there.
1: <laughs> I mean it's an it's an interesting thought. Um, hmm. It's it's also
2: interesting because I think I think all of Percy's love interests are described in this way. Uh, yeah, true. It, these books are written in that time period, not not too far after Harry Potter, in which a very like anti fem strain of of feminism was like so the more natural and and tough a female character is, the more worth she has. Yep, <laughs> uh, and that's very much in all Percy's love interests. There. They like they're beautiful because they're not trying.
0: But- and it's it's weird too because yeah. it's it's also like such a specific niche. Because then it's like, but Clarice is viewed as like very masculine and very blah, blah, blah. Mm. And then anyone in the Aphrodite cabin is like written off as shallow. Mm. And it's like, where, how? Like, it's still such a specific standard. It's. Uh. I
1: remember um, when the movie came out and we met Clarice, I was like so confused as to why she was so, again, quote unquote, pretty. Because in my brain, she was like, you know, it, it sounds so terrible to say, but, and it is terrible to like think, but it's just like the ways in which these certain like standards are like perpetuated, you know? Mm-hmm.
2: Exactly. Yeah, and too, with the like, Selena is described mm-hmm. as like super beautiful and caring about her looks because she's evil. Like, it's, it very falls into the um like temp, temptress archetype yep. where, uh, they're, like, beautiful because they're tricking you. And that... Th- this whole book series falls into that, where they're, like... Yeah, the on the spectrum, of, like, not too masculine, but not too feminine, because mm. the, the masculine people are just mean, like Clarice, and the two feminine people are people who are... Tri- like, a lot of the monsters are, like, described as sicken- sickeningly, like, feminine. Like, yeah. a lot of descriptions of, like, Medusa... And uh, Cersei.
0: I was about to say Cersei. I. Mm.
2: <laughs> Rick has never done a character more wrong than Cersei. <laughs> than
0: Cersei, I know. Madeline Miller is crying. <laughs> like,
3: oh, it's so sad.
2: Honestly, Calypso's close because I'm not a fan of Calypso and Leo ending up together.
1: <gasps> Why? She deserves it's, love too.
2: She does, but she deserves better than Leo. I I just in in uh I recently reread I know I just I just recently reread uh The Lost Hero when I was on Seaweed Brain a couple like a a couple months ago. And Leo is the biggest misogynist (laughs) I've ever met. He's just he's just Calypso deserves better. He's funny. But at the same time, I don't know. We'll reread those books and I'll, I'll make it. Yeah, I
1: have to reread book. it with that lens now.
2: <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure my position will change after we spend three years getting through that long, those long, long books. going
3: to do like three chapters at a time or something. Like, yeah. Because oh yeah, those books are thick. They are. Three or four,
0: maybe.
2: <laughs> yeah, those are some thick, thick boys. <laughs> All right, I think it is time for a little break and then we'll come back and discuss the theme of purpose. All right, we are back. And we will now be discussing the theme of purpose in these chapters. So where did we see purpose?
1: Grover and his search for Pan. Yes.
2: yes. I, I think this was a great moment for all four of them in the decision for Grover to go off on his own, for Percy to... Realize that he can't protect everyone in his life at all times. For Annabeth to be able to compromise her own quest. And for Tyson to get over his personal feelings. Mm. And that moment I, I did... There's some moments in these books that I do tear up. And they're all with Tyson. And the moment in which Tyson's like, someone needs to go with Grover. And that someone has to be me. Like... I was it got I was, me I threw up a little bit
3: yeah
2: I was also like do I ship Tyson and Grover I don't know <laughs> the answer is no apparently from from Ava <laughs> a, a strong no
0: that we have me. we just have to remember Juniper come on
1: oh my girl she's cool they're Ginger so is together. Cool. They're, they're kind of a little power couple. Together. They, they that's what
0: I'm saying. They're so powerful together. No, you're right. You're
2: right. I just like the Tyson and Grover friendship is very cute.
0: Yeah, their friendship is their cute. development has been good. It's yeah. not necessarily like, like it, it didn't get a lot of attention necessarily, but that doesn't matter. At least they're friends now, <laughs> you yeah. know.
1: Well, Tyson is like honestly a catalyst for like self-growth in a lot of the characters with Percy, with Annabeth, with Grover. It's pretty cool.
2: It is. And I I just wish Tyson had a little bit more of his own arc, but I think he does in this book. I really like the interaction between him and Hephaestus about Briaris. And Hephaestus really just has to be like, you really can't worship people as your idols because they will let you down. And it's just something you kind of have to get used to, which was really sad to see someone that jaded. Um, Cause he's right. But like Hephaestus is a really tragic character in these books.
1: I don't remember him being so like depressing. Yeah. Um, when <laughs> he agree. was with like Leo in the next set of books, I don't think he was this like sad.
2: I agree. He really has this, like, spite against the world that I don't remember, and I think I was, what really upset me because as this podcast is a pro-Hera podcast um,
3: (laughs) Oh, I knew it was gonna come up. I was reading it and I was like, I'm ready for this to be discussed today.
2: Because the moment where Hephaestus is like, yeah, Hera likes to tell everyone that Zeus threw me off, but actually it was her. And I don't know. I Obviously, we don't know what is true because we see this story be told both ways a lot of times. But as someone who thinks every telling of Hera is problematic because she's always portrayed worse than Zeus, no matter how bad Zeus is portrayed. Um, and I, obviously, these books get better at it and I thought they were better at first, and then this chapter came up, and I was like, oh no, because I I honestly really like the first scene with Hera in this book, but then they're like, it gets worse as the book goes on, and I did forget about that. Um, I forgot where I was going, but Zeus bad, Hera good.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I agree. I wrote something for like a Discussion board a few days ago for a class about how like society really does have a tendency to kick people when they're already down, and like I really feel like that happens to Hera constantly. Like she really had like one major thing that she did kind of wrong, like and it was the whole Hephaestus thing because I obviously there are multiple tellings of the myth, but I've always been told that version. I think. Um, and studied that one where she did actually throw him off a mountain. But like, oh my God. Like the things that Zeus has done. Yeah. I, I, like they, like not to bring up Hillary Clinton in the emails, <laughs> but like...
2: What a good analogy.
0: Like, that is good. Not that it's the 2016 election, but it's also kind of the 2016 election. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, why are women you know
1: (laughs) you also see like what she chooses to sacrifice for the good of the world you know she knows that everyone basically hates her and she sacrifices a lot more in Heroes of Olympus I think like poignantly um but it, it really makes me think of just like I don't know if comparing her to like the matriarch or the mom is like the best analogy but just like You know, she's willing to take the hate as long as everyone is safe.
3: Yes, And even kind of owns
1: it a little bit and lets it fuel her. I mean, it's talk about changing what being feminine looks like. That's pretty powerful.
2: Yeah, I think, yeah, over the course of the Heroes of Olympus books, we see Hera do the most to fight through, like all the gods are going through this like split personality thing and Mm -hmm. she's fighting through that. And she almost dies a couple times. And the seven goes around those books being like, ew, Hera is so mean. <laughs> and it's just, it's just crazy how much, if you compare like Hera and Poseidon, Poseidon does nothing. Poseidon like is a day of sex machina, like once in a while to help out Percy. And he comes in for his birthday once in a while. I was like, good job, my dude. And Everyone loves Poseidon. Hera is, like, doing so much. And, yeah, she does wrong, but, like, we all be doing wrong. and But she does so much, and then everyone hates her.
0: And it's funny because, like, we think about sort of the gods' um, more abstract, um, like, things. Like, Hera's, you know, obviously she has her swans, and she has her, like, you know marriage things that she does but she's also sort of known as almost like the poster (laughs) poster goddess for like protectivity and I think that a lot of those sort of more abstract concepts that a lot of the gods represent they don't usually pull through on but I think for her she really really does so I think she's honestly one of the gods that does her job the best um and not to mention that um, this is kind of like a a trigger warning. I am, am discussing sexual harassment very briefly, um, but so many of the male gods, like Hephaestus, included Poseidon, included, have had multiple cases in multiple myths where they have harassed women, or you know, like young boys, or you know various gods monsters etc and like i just can't deal with the fact that like that is all erased or you know it's all just sort of blended into like what they are and then it's like well hair threw a baby off a mountain like oh my god (laughs) that's my rant
3: (laughs) facts
2: I just period. Like you you tell him. (laughs) I I think it makes me think of one of the specific retellings of the the Hephaestus' birth myth is I I think it was at position so Zeus has his affair with mm, someone. I don't remember if this is Artemis and Apollo or Dionysus. It's one of them. But oh no. It's Athena. Okay. Because he gives birth to Athena. Like, he, Athena pops out of his head. We talk about that in these chapters, too.
1: Oh, my I God. I definitely thought you were saying, like, Zeus had sex with <laughs> Athena.
2: Oh, no. Oh, my God. No. No. I mean, it, it do be happening, though, in these, nice. <laughs> in these Greek myths. But, no. Zeus and Athena did not have sex. Athena popped out of his head in a weird... Asexual birth,
3: <laughs>
2: and then Hera. The tell this telling the story is like Hera was jealous that mm-hmm. that Zeus was able to to give birth on his own, and so she tried and had Hephaestus, and and she <gasps> oh. did it so, and like she did it didn't do it as well, and therefore Hephaestus was like came out ugly, and so she was mad and threw him off a of mountain.
1: That is so sad.
2: I th- it's just very interesting telling of the story. Very problematic, I think. Yeah, but I think it also says a lot.
3: Hmm. Yeah, I agree. Good. Okay. I, I will. <laughs> I,
2: um, I another place that come it comes to mind for me is with Percy pretty obviously. um, And his decision, whether he leaves Calypso's Island or not, because he knows that he has a purpose in the world. There's this big prophecy that he knows is probably about him. And now he has to make the choice if it will be about him or not. Because up to this point, he's kind of accepted that he's the one in the prophecy Talia's thrown in there he's like maybe it's Talia Nico's around he's like maybe it's Nico but I'm not going to let it be Nico Mm -hmm. and then he but then he's provided a real choice he's like you can make this prophecy not about you
1: but I think he also like um maybe where he makes a slight mistake I don't know if this is a mistake but he could have reframed it in a different way um because he really ties his purpose to his friends. And that we learn later is his fatal flaw. Um, Whereas if he was able to maybe, I mean, I guess it's a good thing to care about your friends for sure. But um, maybe if he articulated it in a slightly different way, he wouldn't have had that flaw. I don't see a world in which that happens because he's super selfless all the time for some reason for his friends. Um, But it's an an interesting connection.
2: It's interesting because I think the very specific circumstances are what chose him to go home. I think if anything was slightly different, he might not have. Because I think I think the big thing that makes him go back is not actually Annabeth. And I think it is the fact that no one knows where Grover and Tyson are. And mm. I think he feels really responsible for letting them go off on their own and not that being able sense. to be able to protect them because he cares for his friends i think he knows that obviously he misses annabeth and doesn't want annabeth to think he's dead but he also knows that annabeth can take care of herself Percy he doesn't think that grover and tyson can take care of themselves
3: <laughs> which is yeah, his problem But like, getting back to the prophecy really quickly, that's why when I initially read the line of like, she'll always be my biggest what if, it was like, okay, bud, like, your best friend just kissed you and then like ran away and you like fought for your life. You know, like, it was definitely maybe a weird time to say that about another girl, but just, I read that line more of a prospect of like, obviously we know everything ends up relatively okay, at least at the end of Percy Jackson and the Olympians. But like, there is no way he would have predicted that, Um, especially considering that he had just heard that he might have woken up the monster inside of Mount St. Helens, which is like extremely bad. Um, And, you know, we were talking about him learning the consequences of his actions. Like Hephaestus is telling him like, yeah, you had to like 500 million people had to evacuate and like Nobody died, but, like, there's been injuries and, like, people's homes have been destroyed because of this explosion that, like, it was you, you know? And Mm -hmm. after hearing that, it would make sense, even, you know, he cares about his friends, as you were saying, Vivian. like, that's obviously what motivates him through everything. But, like, after hearing that you, after always hearing that you're set up for this incredibly dangerous prophecy, and then watching something that you thought you were doing that, like, would fix something actually make things colossally worse, you know, it would be tempting to just be like, I'm out. Like, maybe it'd be better if I just, he literally said, maybe it'd be better if I just stayed here. Like after hearing all of this, like maybe it'd be better if people thought I was dead, like because of all of this destruction I've already caused without even knowing it, you know? Yeah, Yeah.
2: I do think like in the long run, it would have, Percy would have had a better life if he did stay with calypso i think he made the, i obviously he made the right decision for everyone else <laughs> but he really if he did make the selfish decision he would have had a really nice easy little life where he just like ate apple cider on an island
1: apple cider.
2: <laughs> i know i <laughs> the
3: world would be gone to shit but um yes. he would be doing okay
2: but the I, island exists in a weird limbo yeah. <laughs> location where people can fall out of the sky into, but is also yeah, a don't. lake. Mm-hmm. Very confusing.
1: If if Percy and Annabeth existed in like a two thousand tens rom com, Percy would one thousand percent have like a girlfriend, and then that would make Annabeth jealous, and then, <laughs> you know they would end up being together and. I guess Calypso was that character in this story.
2: She Great. was, but then also we have another one.
1: And I think we should oh, talk Rachel about Rachel Elizabeth
2: day. Day Rachel,
0: day Okay, Rachel was yeah. never it
1: was never a, it was a total one-sided romantic. I got,
2: oh, it was. Rachel was never into Percy. No.
0: I got so scared though. I was no, like, what? I thought it was happen.
1: I've always thought of it the other way around.
2: Really? Yeah.
1: I have never once thought Percy was into Rachel. Yeah, me neither
2: they just i mean they just have such they're just written as such like gay best friends
1: that <laughs> i see that i see yes. Yeah.
2: like rachel elizabeth dare is probably a lesbian and percy right. is like a raging bisexual and that friendship just makes sense to me in a way of like yeah they're best friends and i think he needs a best friend who's immortal
1: yeah Annabeth Annabeth gets pretty jealous I think of Rachel for a while
2: oh absolutely
1: and then she becomes like the oracle or whatever and she's like yeah no I'm good
2: yeah (laughs)
3: we're all
2: good Yeah, I I think speaking of purpose I think finding a Rachel's purpose in the this chapter was really interesting
3: because they didn't spend too much time on it too they were just like (laughs) you know and he was like I do (laughs) <laughs> and then they like moved on <laughs> do they even
2: say it explicitly or do we no, just know uh,
3: they just talk about the princess and how she was immortal, who could see they literally just go like she could see really well
1: <laughs> you know what that means and person was
3: like yep we're on the same wavelength and if you have read the book I-, I was reading it and i was like you know if i didn't know the context of this i would be like what are they trying this like it was surprising that they so heavily like I so under wraps because I was like, I, even I right now, like, I'm not sure I would have understood this if I didn't have the context.
2: I don't know. I feel like by now you could have figured it out because they've been really breadcrumbing us. Mm. They've been really like, well, the princess could see things. And they're like, Percy, you know, there's something, you know, that no one else knows every <laughs> like once every chapter. So I think by now <laughs> we could it figure proved it out.
3: Tara right. So
2: that was a good, that was a good time. <laughs> <prove> her, right? <laughs> Hera is always right. Well, that's not true at all, but.
3: <laughs> I
0: was going to be like, well, you know, so a lot of the time she is.
1: <laughs> yes. Or I think she's just the queen of like, um, what is the phrase? The ends justify the means.
2: Yes. She makes the hard choices. Yeah. And I, I respect her for that. She really is the queen of the ends just by the means. Mm-hmm. I mean, and she's been proved right. Of just like out her here was a woman who proves her right.
1: Out here kidnapping people left and right, but then everyone <laughs> is saved in the end. So.
2: So, and she I knew respect that. what she had to do. That. I love some chaotic neutral energy. All right, is it time for sass moments?
3: It is, I have mine open right here. <laughs> <laughs> Already All right. ready at the moment um because i'm afraid my book's gonna fall apart again so <laughs> trying to keep it less movement as possible um it's on 189 it's when they first meet Hephaestus and he says i didn't make you did i uh annabeth said no sir good the god grumbled shoddy workmanship <laughs> weird
1: weird rose. weird okay. because annabeth is beautiful okay yeah, like,
2: what it was weird a really brilliant- It was just really out of pocket.
1: He
3: says the rest about like the other like the other people and it's like, like he says similar things. It was very like confrontational. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) damn. Crazy intro to this character. My moment.
2: 197. Percy the spider's getting away. Do you really want me to explain the exact details of how I was born? Um, no, that's okay.
3: <laughs> that's okay.
2: I just that liked was a good moment. that whole interaction. That whole little conversation was really like, look at Percy and Annabeth being cute. Mm. And it was funny and they're a little mean to each other, but in a way that means they like each other. <laughs> exactly playground rules
0: (laughs) mine is um i don't know what page it is but um it's in the second chapter because i'm on a pdf um and it's talking about how um like percy sees himself in like the the bronze mirror and he goes um my hair was a rat's nest it was cinched at the ends like Hephaestus's beard if I saw that face on somebody walking down a highway intersection asking for money I would have locked the car doors Percy like oh my god, <laughs> oh my god. a little insensitive <laughs> for sure shocked me <laughs> so wow
3: yeah that's a tad like, bit insensitive I was like
0: okay <laughs> but it did stick with me
2: yeah wow
1: I don't really have sass I think you guys (laughs) heard it I all the the only thing I really had written down was just how frustrated I was with what a player he was because he had so many lines that I just I was like stop calling her beautiful stop calling her stop commenting on this you know and he just he's a little unaware yeah as always as always as he locks the car doors.
2: As he locks the car, doors. <laughs> the car doors. Alrighty, who do we have offerings for this week?
1: One thousand percent Calypso.
3: I was gonna say the exact same thing. I agree. She I deserves forgot. it. She doesn't really. She, she just does. come back. Until Heroes of Olympus. And she deserves this sympathy right now. Mm-hmm. I
0: agree. And I have no shame in giving her like at least three offerings. Yeah.
2: She does. I was going to say Calypso. But everyone else, because she's well been covered, I'm going to make a controversial choice. Oh
1: my gosh. Okay.
2: Actually, am I?
1: I was going to say.
2: I was going to gonna say, it, it. I was gonna say. No, I, I remember. Just do, no, it. So I just, do re- it. I just remembered some, someone else who did good. I was gonna say Percy, but then I remember how good Tyson did.
0: I knew you were gonna say Tyson. I, I Tyson knew it. I knew choice. it. Mm.
2: And I actually do have to give it to Tyson. That's I, I was gonna give. I was gonna give Percy his first offering of this entire book because Wait, actually,
3: really?
2: <laughs> I actually do think per, Percy did Percy's really.
3: doing well in this. Percy <laughs> is
2: doing well, and I think he did really well in both these chapters. Um, He's so, on I feel fire, like,
1: honestly, literally and figuratively literally
2: and figuratively. Mm. like he's been doing great. He made all the right choices in these scenes, actually. But Tyson went with Grover.
3: Yeah. I think we just have bias, and we gotta accept. Yeah. It I think
2: we have to accept the bias here. <laughs> Sorry, Percy. you <laughs> gotta hang one on day by the end of this book, I will I promise I will give Percy offering exactly i
1: don't know i i mean the whole series is named after him it's kind of like an inevitable like it goes without saying you know that, exactly. yeah that's true
2: at least he hasn't lost this book he is yeah. he's because last last book he was not doing too hot
1: yeah yeah that's true
2: and that brings was, up. oh
1: this is sorry oh. no go for it ah. This is kind of off topic, but just speaking of like Percy being on fire, the um, ending of chapter 11 where he like calls to the water and then like lava is being thrown at him and he, it was so cool. It was like uh, Rick Riordan used words like superheated steam and like her flotsam, I don't know what flotsam means, but it was a word that apparently Percy would use um and he was like thrown free by a million pounds of pressure in this volcano and i was like this is gonna look so amazing in the disney plus series like we need that like visceral visual experience to like translate to on screen i agree i agree
2: i definitely agree all right who are we voting off the island off of ogia this week
3: (laughs) that's good um
2: mine is going straight to zeus it's not said (laughs) it's not said in these chapters that zeus is the one who gave the punishment to calypso but i know this man i'm familiar with his work um and i was gonna vote down the entire gods but i know it's zeus because we also he also talks she also talks about like how some of the gods come to visit him i know zeus never visits visits her I know Zeus never Mm. visits her because he did it and he feels guilty. The rest of the gods they're like yeah we can't really disobey Zeus so we'll come and visit you and bring you news and stuff. But no I know it's Zeus's fault.
1: So take a fucking seat. That's validated. (laughs) Valid. Valid is the word.
2: (laughs) Who else? I had a hard time with this one
3: honestly agree
2: there are not a lot of antagonists in, in
3: antagonists that aren't like the clear antagonists like I obviously mean
1: monsters. I my first instinct wants to say like Hephaestus just because like go for it I didn't vibe with his attitude but <laughs> after we've talked like you know he's I think he's pretty justified and he's just he's just tired yeah um and he's kind of just followed the blueprint of what all gods do. And it's like, well, we can't give you the answer straight up. So you've got to do something first and send you on a little quest. Like he didn't do anything that other gods wouldn't have done. Yeah. Know?
2: I already did mine, but I want to throw out an option for other people of Aphrodite,
1: maybe actually. I, I <laughs> kind of, get that um, <laughs> just in the way that she was framed in i will say see there's such a dichotomy between how people are portrayed in heroes of olympus versus in percy jackson of the, of the olympians or whatever it's called um, that's embarrassing um, but like aphrodite with percy she's so manipulative
2: yes whereas yeah. with
1: with piper she's like super not shallow and cool and has all these powers you know
2: yeah i think i i actually do like what aphrodite does in these books that it's very ambiguous that she's kind of pulling the strings of their romance but like mm-hmm. for specifically for this calypso thing i do think she took she, she went a little too far <laughs> <laughs> but um i already i already cast my vote for zeus it's staying there so
3: I think it's a good point but I'm going to go with Zeus as well.
1: Okay. I
0: think Zeus too. I'm honestly going to go with Hephaestus just because um the myths I know about him like I understand that he had a bit of a tragic background but he, the other things I know about him he annoys me and I don't like him. So
3: <laughs> trauma is not You insult Hera, a- you get voted off. <laughs>
1: it's
3: true.
2: Trauma is not an Hi, excuse for bad behavior. <laughs>
1: true especially when you've been around for like so many years
2: he has had time to go go to therapy (laughs)
3: oh my god
2: all right folks that is all for this week join us next week where we will be joined by matt williams from fandom encounters podcast and we will be discussing
0: Chapters thirteen and fourteen, we hire a new guide, and my brother duels me to the death through the theme of trust.
3: Make sure to follow us on social media. We're at Return to Camp on all the platforms that matter, and we also have a Patreon, a Redbubble store, and a website: www.returntocamp.com.
1: Divya, would you like to plug anything? Sure, I plugged it a little bit, but you can stream the podcast College Climate Collective now on Spotify, Google Podcast, Anchor, wherever you like to listen also just want to mention a quick thank you. This was actually the first book that I read in the whole series. So it's Aww. so interesting to see all the little details now and how at like eight or whatever, I was able to understand it. Um, it's, it's been awesome to be here again. Thank you.
2: Yes. We love Yay. having you on. So do. anytime.
1: <laughs> yes. Goodbye. Oh, cool. See you next Bye. week.
3: Bye. <laughs> <laughs>